What's good, y'all? My name is Jonathan Dumas, and this is the Real Talk with Dumas podcast. We have real conversations with the people I see every day because we don't know what we miss until we miss them. And like always, y'all, I have another dope guest for you, but wanted to share some ways that you can support the show. So number one is like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. It really, really helps folks discover the show. Number two, follow RTWD on IG at RTWD Podcast and send your boy a DM. Let us know your favorite episode. Send some constructive feedback or just say hi. And then finally, by supporting the show financially, the number one way that this show continues to go and will continue to go is by your support of not only listening, but financial uh, donations as well. So the first way you can do that is um, joining the Real Fan Patreon page where you can support monthly. And the second way is buying your boy a coffee on our coffee page. Um, a big shout out to the Real Fam that is already within the community. Shout out to all of you. Thank you so much. I love you so much. All right, now on to my guest. This week I am joined by Daryl Mobley. Daryl is an author writing classics like Enjoy and Grow Rich, 100 Worst Relationship Mistakes and How to Fix or Avoid Them, and Book of Love, uh, and Book of Real Love, ooh la la, How to Get It, How to Give It, and How to Enjoy It. Daryl is also a speaker and has an incredible drop the mic speech called Everything I Need to Know About People I Learned as a Snake Handler, a Horse Whisperer, and from Juvenile Home Kids. He's also a life and executive coach and founder of Catapult Leaders. But most importantly, Daryl is a husband and father whose non-negotiable focus is to be his wife's biggest advocate and an active strategic presence in his children's lives. Daryl and I have a great conversation about who he is, his journey and the work he's doing now, what Catapult Leaders is all about, and the 10 ways we've all been brainwashed by colorism and how we can get unbrainwashed, if that's a word, <laughs> and so much more. Y'all, you know I love talking to fellow multi-hyphenates because the conversations literally can go anywhere and everywhere, and this one definitely does. I look forward to y'all catching this one. This is another good one, good one y'all. All right, here is Daryl. Daryl, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. How are you doing this morning? Thank you. That was a very nice uh, introduction. You have great energy. I love it. It's going to be a great talk today. Today is great. I'm happy. Yes, 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 yes. I, you know, I try and gas up all of my guests. So, you know, you come in, come in ready to go um, so we can have a great conversation. So thanks so much for saying that. No problem. Um, uh, so I know I read a little bit of your, your, your bio and there was actually a lot <laughs> I left out because you've done so much, um, and I'm so excited to talk to you. So, um, But I would love for you to share just a little bit more about you know, who is Mr. Daryl Mobley and just share a little bit about who you are personally um, with the Royal Family. No problem. Thank you so much. I am, at heart, still that little kid who came from the country. I am a father, as you said. I'm a husband. Uh, we started the whole thing. Uh, my philosophy is to enjoy life. Uh, you know, My life goal is to be happy no matter what. And my core belief is that the best is yet to come. And that is really those thoughts, those philosophies are really the core of who I am. And I'm really tall. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. When we talked the other day, you had mentioned that you're six, five. I mean, I'm six, three. Some people are always caught up. And I don't know if you get this because I mean, we've been on Zoom for the past couple of years, and you you had mentioned that your business, the stuff you do, it's been mainly remote. Yeah. Um, but people are always shocked when they see me in person about how tall I am. They're like, "You just keep on going, don't you?" <laughs> exactly. Well, two, three, when you get to six three, you are legitimately tall. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because like that six foot, it's like you could fool some people okay. every now and again, but no. But I love your life life philosophy about like you know life just keeps getting better. Um, it, the best is yet to come. Like where did where did that come from? Because I, I love that uh, it gives like um, it's giving uh, uh, the cup is half full vibe. So I'm I'm curious about like where did that mentality for you come from? Sure thing. I think it was driven by the fact that. Much of what I faced as a young kid and, and at different times in my life was trying to take that away from me. You know, you always know what's mm. valuable by what people are trying to take away from you. If they're trying to take away your happiness. They're trying to take away your ability to enjoy life. If they're trying to take away your ability to dream and believe the best is yet to come. That must really be valuable. And I decided a long time ago that those were things that I was going to keep in my life no matter what. Mm. I, I, I love that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, that, that's a word right there, Joe. So like people will try and take away the things uh, that are most valuable to you. And I, I, I'm always like, I'm just like a curious mind. I've, I've dubbed myself like a nosy learner. Yeah. Um, when people try and take something away from you, like where, like, especially if it's like so personal to you, like your joy, your happiness, your peace. Um, and it always throws me off of like, why would you try and take that from me? Like, why can't you just like try and find that for yourself? Um, I'm curious for you, like, I have my own thoughts, but I'm curious for you, like, why, why do you feel like, you know, folks have had kind of had like that take mentality instead of trying that, finding that peace and joy and happiness for themselves, think, like you, like you have. Yeah, I think mostly it's because people, uh, don't want you to have what they don't have. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Now you would think that yeah. you would think people would say, Hey, listen, Jonathan, you're bringing this energy and excitement and, and joy. I love that. I may not have that yet. I want to have more of that. You think they would study from you and say, let me take that and adopt that. No. What people mm. try to do, I call them the dream stealers. What they try to do mm. is get you to abandon your good feeling. Why, why are you so happy? Why are you positive? Why are you doing X, Y, and Z? Uh, it, all those are challenge questions to make you stop doing them, to make you question what you're doing. And as I said, uh, and I think they win when they get you to become like them. And I'm not gonna become like that. Mm. I like that. I like that. And we and, and it's just like really about um uh so like I I've gotten to that point where I, I have tried to ignore not ignore the yeah, ignore the haters mm-hmm. essentially, as far as like those who are trying to like steal and take from me and and like will be like, well, that's not that big or like mm-hmm. that little podcast or like that little business or whatever. You know how like, those passive aggressive mm-hmm. um, little songs. <laughs> um, and so I, I think I think it's uh, those who stay in their lane, those who have their eye on the prize, those who are like, you know, really like knowing the best is yet to come and, and continue to, to, to get on that. Not in that like, you know, toxic hustle mentality, but really like continuing on the journey of um, self-discovery mm-hmm. Um, can really lead to like, you know, happiness, joy, fulfillment, peace, um, authenticity, like a genuine, um, it, it, it call, all lands on like this genuine place, which I, I feel like that's what I'm gleaming from what you're saying. And, and people want to take the easy route instead of like trying to find that for themselves. They want to pull you right down with where they are. And it's just like, why? <laughs> why waste? It's a waste of energy to me. Um when I think about it, yeah. So I agree. Awesome. I agree a hundred percent with that. Many years ago, and, and this is why I, my 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 close family will say that Daryl doesn't have any negative friends, and that's because mm. that's because I've allowed them to jump off the ship. 
on the journey. So mm. I decided many years ago that I would not have anything in my life that wasn't good to me, good for me, and good with me. If you're, yeah. if yeah. you or something, some substance aren't good to me, aren't good for me, aren't good with me, you got to go. Because I ain't going. You got to go. Yeah. And, and yeah. I've been pretty uh, definitive about that. And I think it, uh, it leads to having a, a mind that is clear and having dreams that are large. Mm, I like that. I like that. And that could just be like that. Um, I don't know if this is the right term for it, but like that litmus, that litmus test. Yeah. Right. And and I'm, I'm thinking about even and you're an executive and, and, and life coach um, as well. And so like I, I think about like the clients, some of the clients I've worked with and I'm like, y'all, y'all need to create some way to like filter this through. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're coming up with a decision, if this person needs to stay in your life, if you're going to stay at this job or whatever. Like, is this, is this thing, that person, this whatever in your life, is it giving you or any of these things? And I think that's a great litmus test too. Um, I'm glad I clipped that because I, I think that's a great litmus test of, of figuring out what needs to, what needs to be let go or what needs to exit out of our lives that are not giving, that's going to be with me and that's going to, not going to um, uh, encourage me or any, any of those things. I, I love that uh, kind of mantra. Um Okay, so Daryl, you have done an incredible amount of stuff. Like I mentioned earlier, um, when I was doing your intro, like you're a multi-hyphenate, and like you really have done so much stuff. Like you're a, a military vet, you jumped out of planes. Um, I mean, you, you parachuted, you written books, you're an executive life coach, you're a founder. Yeah, I can keep going, and I also run out of breath if I keep going. Um, how have you? Gosh, I mean, how have you found the time or found the capacity to do all of the things that you've done and explored all of these different um, avenues of life, honestly? I think I think the most important thing you can do is make a contract with yourself, right? And where mm -hmm. and so uh, I write down things that I want to do. I write down, you know, when you start with the philosophy that I shared with you, those three areas, be happy, enjoy life, the best is yet to come. When you start with it, you're committed to, in my case, to uh, my wife, and, and to my kids uh, at their life stages, when you have that, then things tend to fall into place. And so, for example, um, I was driven when my kids were younger to make sure that they looked at the world as their world. There's a tendency mm -hmm. to think there's people over there, you know, people do that even within their own city, people over there, there's people, those people over there. And so for that reason, we traveled around the world with them. You know, that became, mm -hmm. in order to do that, in order to believe the world is yours, it's helpful to visit the world and say, oh, okay, these are the people of England. These are the people of you know, Italy. These are the people of Germany, Finland, whatever it is. So that's one reason that we travel so much is because it was a goal. And what happens is uh, my oldest daughter now, she laughs when she thinks about how much I was paid as a young, how little I was paid as a young uh, you know, army officer, you know, second lieutenant, first lieutenant. She goes, how did you manage to travel around the world like this with that little money? Because she makes so much more money than I did. Now And I said, because it was a goal. It was something I said, no, 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 I'm going to do this. I said, I said, you will find a way to do those things that you say I must do. There are must do's and there are like to do. Like to do, you don't, you don't get to. Must do, mm -hmm. things make it on my must do list, we do it. We go. Yeah. I like that distinction, too, of must do and like to do. Because I feel like like to do is so passive. It's just like, eh, if it happens, it happens. If it's a must do, that means I'm going to make a conscious effort to make sure that that thing happens. You know what I'm saying? And and, and I think oftentimes like people will treat transformative like things 
as like to do's instead of must do's. Mm -hmm. Like I would like to, you know, go back to school or I would like to get a new job that's paying me more and paying me equitably. I would like to travel more. I would like to, you know, move to a different state. I would like to do this. And I'm thinking about all the things that I've done in my life. And I'm, I mean, I'm only 30, 31 um, and stuff like that. But I feel like even now, like it's just uh, uh, in the world that we're living, it's just like so unsettling right now. I don't know. Like I've put a lot of like the things that I, that used to be on my must to do, must do, I put on my like to do list. And like, I'm just kind of like in this conversation, I'm realizing like, uh, yeah, like how the world, even society, will like dictate and be like those stealers of right. um, that joy and happiness that we were talking about earlier. And so, like, how do we continue that mentality of keeping those things that we really, really want to do that are important to yep. us in that must-do list? I'm, I'm, and I'm trying to find a way to ask that as a question, but like, I'm really trying to seek some wisdom <laughs> from somebody's a little bit ahead of me. <laughs> if you can yeah. share it with no us, no problem. I, a great question. I think this number one, please, everyone, remember, time is fleeting. There are no guarantees. So what happens when people put things on the back burner like do list that should be on a must do list? They're acting as if they have full control of time. Who among us? Could, who among us could have predicted COVID? Who among us could have predicted what has happened the past couple of years with COVID? None of us. You've got to make the most of the time. One of the things I kept telling myself and my friends and my family during this time: I said, keep shooting. Don't stop shooting because you don't score if you don't shoot. Keep shooting. Mm-hmm. Is, what is that thing you're trying to do? Now, does that mean you travel to, uh, you, you know, during COVID, states were lo- countries were locked down, it's kind of crazy weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, yes, that that can cause you to shift and shimmy a little bit. But if you have goals, then, yeah, time may move a little bit, but you've got to keep it on your must-do. Like, for example, imagine if I put on the back burner, for example, the, uh, telling my wife that I love her. Imagine if I put mm-hmm. on the back burner uh, hugging my kids every day when they're, when they're younger mm-hmm. at home. Imagine I put on my back burner my health. What happens is with the things you put on the back burner wither and die away. The things you put on must do. So if there are things that are must do's that you have said, no, no, this is, I have control of this and I'm going to do it, then do it. There's, there's never a perfect time. You know, when I was backpacking uh, Asia, it wasn't like that was a perfect time to do it. When I was rummaging all through over Germany and, and just riding your rail passes everywhere, it wasn't like, oh no, everything was smooth and happy. It was all key. Never is there going to be a perfect time, and people wait for perfection. Perfection doesn't come until the last day of your life. And so, mm-hmm. and so waiting for it to me is a fool's errand, and I would advise everybody, if there's on your must list, and it should be a core thing to your must list, it's really important, on your must list to do. Like, for some reason, when I was a kid growing up in the country, I wanted to dive for pearls in Tahiti. Why? I don't know. I wanted to do it, right? And, but but yeah. it, it was on my little list. I, I wrote my first list at the age of 21. And what I want to tell people about lists is very important. I tell people I coach and people I don't coach. I said, you know, at 21, something happened, and it caused me to write a list of well over 100 things that I wanted to do, to be, or to have in my life. Okay? Do, mm-hmm. be, have in my life. And I wrote them. Wrote them. It's a story about it. It's an interesting story. But I'll just say I did that. Every single thing on that list, I've done. Now, I keep adding to the list, but everything I put on that original list, I've done. I always look back and think, what if I hadn't written it down, which was a contract with myself. What if I 
if you're not mm. written it down on paper, because paper, paper, listen, the thing about writing stuff down, it's like that friend you love, but man, you know when you see him or her, she's going to make you get up off of it, right? Okay, yeah. there it was. That, that's it. Okay, I said I'm going to do this. Okay, wow, let me, let me, I, I said I want to go to, like my wife, and to the World Wife Carrying Championships. Why? No particular reason. It's in Finland. Let's go. Never been to Finland. Yep. And so I just think that having that kind of energy and loving life so much that you won't waste it. And you don't assume mm. that you're going to have another 300 years of life or however long you're going to have. Assume that every day, like oxygen, is precious. And every breath you take mm. is meaningful. Yeah. The one thing, that, that one line that's probably going to be the, the episode title is like, love life. Uh, oh my gosh. Can you say that one more time? Love life. Uh, oh gosh. You just, oh my gosh. Love life like it's, uh, dang it. I, I lost it. You said love life like you're, um, so you don't waste it or something like that. It, it was a good well, line. I, I'm, I think, it was think I was line. talking about, you have to approach life and love life like it's really precious. Hey, time. Oh yeah. Time ticks. The clock is, even as you and I talk, the clock is ticking. What are we doing to make mm-hmm. ourselves better, to love life more, to enjoy it, to get out there? The world's a big place. Do it. See it if that's your thing. Or the state. Like yeah. I've been to all 50 states, all 50 capitals. Mm-hmm. Like, why? I don't know. It seems like an interesting thing to do. You see people different, different yeah. places. And it takes away, you know, this sense, uh, this sense of who does this world belong to. Uh, you start having a sense that it belongs to you when you see the world. Right. And so mm-hmm. and, and like go see and touch and eat and walk into places and, you know, without fear. I think that's important, too. Part of doing this requires mm-hmm. you to be a person who operates without fear. Most yeah. most people operate fearful, fearfully. And I would just say fear is not your friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think mm, that that's such a good point, too, of like how often that we make decisions, do things out of a place of fear. Right. Um, scarcity mindset of like, even when I'm, I'm talking about myself about like time, mm-hmm. right. And like, man, I don't have enough time to do all of the things I want. So I'm going to, you know, those big grandular things that make me really scared, mm-hmm. they're going to go on my like to do list. And if they happen, they happen. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying like, I'm going to do everything I can. Cause life, you never know with mm-hmm. life. You never know with time. You never know with any of these things that like th- these things will ever happen instead of keeping them on my must do yeah. list. And so like, I'm just like, led by fear like that's a that's a fearful decision <laughs> you know what i'm saying like there's certain places that i don't want to go because i'm like i'm scared to go there or, or i'm scared that you know if i use money to do this or go here then i won't have enough money to do this thing over here or whatever it all it all comes down to like fear and i think a lot more people are are scared than they would openly admit or or you know realize in and of themselves uh that they're that they're scared fear. Uh, more fear steals your joy it steals your life it steals your love it steals your good feelings and fear doesn't make you live one day longer it doesn't make you yep. one moment happier fear is a mm-hmm. huge negative it is the ultimate dream stealer because we carry it within ourselves no one has to come to us we just carry it in ourselves and we operate off fear i know people virtually every decision they make they start from fear and mm-hmm. they, they, which means they never quite do this thing this thing you're never quite happy and, and often I'm asked about that. I said, you've got to not make fear, uh, you know, your twin. You're carrying fear with you everywhere you go in every decision. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you don't make smart decisions at times. I mean, you don't walk out in front of car, car traffic. I'm not talking about that. But the truth is people make decisions on their, everything, on who they're going to be with, mm-hmm. everything based on fear. 
And I just think fear again, and and and, and many organizations, systems, people understand if I can make you fear X, you'll do mm-hmm. Y. Fear, fear yeah. is yeah. a great trigger. It'll make you vote for people who don't serve you. Mm-hmm. It'll make you eat yeah. things, yeah. drink things that don't work for you, all because of fear. Mm. Mm. But you might change my life, Daryl, <laughs> after this conversation. <laughs> oh my gosh! And also, as a side note, I, I tried to find some way to slide it into your bio, but like, y'all, he has been called one of the best life coaches on the planet, and I, I'm really seeing why. <laughs> um, uh, awesome. Okay, so I want to like switch gears just a tad because like that was uh, I'm loving that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it also leads into the work that. Um, your company, the, the, the company that you founded, Catapult Leaders, does in, in, in working with uh, individual leaders, placing them, um, job placement, job development, working with uh, college students and everything like that. Um, can you share a little bit more about Catapult Leaders and like why uh, you started it, essentially? Sure thing. Catapult Leaders, what we do is we uh, help source or place or match outstanding Black talent with great opportunities at companies. That, that embrace a diverse pipeline, equity, and inclusion, right? So, you know, in the world, one thing that's clear, there are a lot of companies out there, and they, a lot of companies make zillions of dollars. So a lot of money, zillions, yeah. whatever the number is, zillions, yeah. zillions of dollars. But they have been woefully uh, inadequate when it comes to uh, finding, interviewing, and hiring black talent. Somehow, they have enough money to go to the moon, but they don't have enough money to find black talent. So I'm one of those people who believes that uh, anything worth complaining about is worth fixing or else just don't complain. And you have to be willing to wrap your own arms around something to fix it. So a number of years ago, when I looked forward and I realized, I said to myself, man, I said, if if at this rate, 30 years are going to go by, my kids are going to have kids their, their ages now, and they're still going to be saying they can't find us. And what and what, what happens mm-hmm. when they can't find you? What happens is uh, I'm a big believer in great jobs, uh, even as an entrepreneur, big living great jobs. Why? Because they change the arc of family destiny. They change the they yeah. change generational stuff, right? And so mm-hmm. and so I, I look at it and I say to myself, well, I said to myself, uh, this thing is going to keep going. And companies have shown that they are they are horrible at fixing the problem. They may want to fix the problem. I'm not going to get into the whys and where. I'll just say the problem of the underrepresentation of talented black folks in corporate America is massive and the biggest companies have failed at it. So I said, okay, we're going to break down this problem. We're going to understand what their problem is. And the big answer they came back to us with when we did our research was that we can't find them. Now, that's now, well, right. Okay. So, so, yeah. instead, right, right. so instead of me marching in front of their building and carrying a flag, I said, oh, you can't yeah. find them? Really? Is that, is that the problem you can't find? Yes, you can't find them. And we were hearing this everywhere. You can't find Okay, great. Mm-hmm. We're going to find them. I'm going to start an organization, co-found the organization. We're going to find this talent. And then when you have a need, you come to us and say, hey, boy, we're looking for a senior this or a junior this or an associate this or this engineer or this marketing, whatever it is. Our database of folks is going to be so massive, so large, uh, that Mm -hmm. we will make sure that we find that talent that you have heretofore been unable to find. So Catapult Leaders we focus on engineering, we focus on computer and data science, we focus on marketing and advertising, we focus on supply chain, a lot of areas in that. And that allows us to go to major companies and, and emerging companies 
and workers. So that's what we did. We exist because there was a problem that I was not going to go to my grave. It was one of my must-dos. I decided at some point, it was one of my must-dos. Yeah. I said, I'm not going to go to my grave having left this unaddressed. And so that's why mm-hmm. I, along with other people, decided to start it. And that's why Catapult Leaders exist. You, you know, like, I feel like that is what probably... That is an incredibly powerful like must do of like seeing like a like this is a massive issue like I have a couple episodes that are gonna be um, by the time this episode airs it'll be um, those will be out where we talk about like the quote unquote pipeline issue that like um, uh, that happens in the le- in the legal profession mm-hmm. we talk about the pipe quote unquote pipeline issue that happens in corporate America mm-hmm. we talk about the um, other pipeline issues. So like, this is, this is actually a great conversation mm-hmm. that kind of works in tandem with that. Um, and, and the, st- the statistics, because I'm an organizational psychologist, I examine like, um, that within corporations and, and organizations and it, it it's abysmal, mm-hmm. you know, like, like corporations have proven to be inept yeah. when it comes to, um, like addressing this issue. Yeah. And you're exactly right. That's hilarious that like, you have enough money to go to the moon. You have enough money to, you know, spend literal millions half a half a billion dollars on like getting this high-end technology but you can't find you know 15 black people to to be in your organization it's to be in like middle management higher management c-suite management like it's wild that you can't invest enough time and effort um like the numbers are really really sad and 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 um i won't get into it here and dive into it again but um that is an incredibly powerful must do to say like i want to address this issue before I leave leave this earth, before my time has come. And I, I think that to have such a powerful mission, to have such a powerful vision and like be like laser focused on that and say like, this is a must do is like um, coinciding with everything we talked about, but just like differentiating between that like uh, like to do and must do. It's like so powerful. Like I, I'm like convinced that you could solve <laughs> after everything, you know, in tandem with other folks. Um, what are some of the things and outcomes that you've seen as as you started like catapult leaders and, and co-founded this thing um, of getting you know talent placed um, at different organizations that you're working with? You no, know, first let me start and say that we have uh, when I say hit rate, uh, I mean the percentage of folks that we uh, source and the company comes to us and we source and we match and you know they have to match what they're looking for. Then there's the interview process. Well over well over ninety mm-hmm. percent of the people. 90% of the people that we source and match get get off the job, which is a wow. huge number we've been told. But it's because we focus on really finding a match, in, you know, a real match between what this person is and what the job really requires. So often mm-hmm. uh, companies lay out what they want from a job for, for a job requirement, and it's stuff that has nothing to do with doing the job, just a lot of noise. Yeah. It, but what it does yeah, is yeah. it allows you to say no to somebody. You know, say no to somebody. It's, it's literally like putting, "Hey, I want a person to be a to be a marketing manager," and then you throw in, "Must be six foot three. You know, like, why, why is six foot three on there? What? How? Why? Is yep. three on? But they, that's the kind of stuff that's on there, and it's it's happens mm-hmm. all the time. But we we kind of wade through that, and uh, and we've had quite a bit of success. And that makes me happy because again, every time we help someone get that better job and not be underemployed for their talent, that affects, as we say, their life their family's life, generations of families, and maybe their kids see something. I know my kids' lives have been impacted by what I do, by what my wife does, by what we where we and what they've seen. And that's going to affect their kids' lives and on and on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have to have a long-term view uh, to stay positive, that we have to believe the best is yet to come. 
but we have to play a role in it. And if you have to play a role right. in it, mm-hmm. you got to pick up your gun and you got to fight. You got to be fearless. Yep, that's right. Um, all right, incredible. So I think we're we're kind of like getting into some of the things that we've talked about in the past about like this kind of like colorism mm-hmm. and, and and what we've we essentially what we have talked about is kind of like the the racism that exists within um within like even the hiring practices and all that stuff. But like you had mentioned to me before about like um uh the root of racism is actually colorism. And you and you talked about like 10 ways that we've been brainwashed by colorism. I would love for you to like map out for us what like those 10 ways are. Um because like I'm really curious uh on this because I, I agree I agree okay. with the, with this point that you're making. Okay. Well let, let me do this. I'm gonna I'm going to break it down at the beginning because if I set the foundation, then the 10 can make sense to us. So, gotcha. so, yep. so number one, what is colorism? So colorism basically is the practice of discriminating against people based on the color of your skin. The lighter your skin, the better you're treated. The darker your skin, the worse you're treated, right? What is it to be brainwashed? Brainwashed means that you that it's the repetition of things. It is over and over and over stuff that, that makes you believe something because they repeatedly tell you, even if it's not actually true. If I tell you something mm-hmm. over and over and over and over, you're going to believe it so if the brainwashing is effective. What is the definition of insanity? Insanity is that mental kind of illness where a person cannot distinguish fantasy from reality, where they're subject to what I call uncontrollable impulsive behavior. So, for example, let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's pivot back to colorism. Colorism, again, remember, it goes way back. Colorism goes mm-hmm. way, way, way back. Even within races, there is colorism. So colorism, this mm-hmm. whole lighter is better and you go darker. It's, it was done by colonists. It's been done all over the place. It's, it's done by slave owners. It was done before there were slaves in America. Colorism was around. So what has happened is the repetition of the elements of colorism, and I'm going to give some 10 examples of how it's worked. The repetition of the, of the, of the, of the aspects of colorism has caused a brainwashing. And that, that brainwashing affects who we hire, who we like, how we mm-hmm. how we perceive those people, what we everything, it, how we treat them, it affects everything that we do unless we free ourselves from the colorism. So now let me let me mm-hmm. if I can, I'm gonna jump on ten ways, and there are many, many more. Ten ways that we've been brainwashed, most of us, because um, you have to be conscious and push back to not be brainwashed. Ten ways we've been brainwashed yeah. and, and kind of what we do. So number one. Think about, I mean, now they're trying to change things, but ads on TV featuring the ideal family as white, repeatedly, repeatedly, mm-hmm. repeatedly, repeatedly. Ads, think about it. You, if it ads run constant, 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 constant. All the right. time, all, all the time. So, so imagine you're minding your business, and you're just, you're just a person, you mind your business, and you see it. When you're being, you're being brainwashed and told this is the ideal family, unless you're that, you're out. Right. Mm-hmm. Second one can be uh, separating eating facilities as this is for white people, this is for black people. That was done for a long time. So imagine every time, let's say you're white. What what are you what are you taught through repetition? If every time you walk, there's one for white to eat at. You can eat there. These people can't. You're taught they're less than you. You now you may not want to be taught that, but every time you buy into it, as I like to say, if you end all ten of these with, and we accepted it. If you like that stuff, you say, wait a minute, okay, every time you go, if you participate in that process, you're allowing the brainwashing to take effect. I am clearly embedded yep. people. Uh, these people are yep. less yep. than me. And my point is, once you do that, once you make black or darker color 
uh, uh, the sign of you're less of a person, that has hugely debilitating impact on people, unless you can push away from it. Number three, and I always thought this, so I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to really, you know, kick the hornet's nest with this one. <laughs> the notion, I remember going into church as a kid, and we had, you know, there's, you know, cross up and all that kind of good stuff. And, you know, then we had Jesus on the cross. And I, even as a kid, I asked, because I actually asked this question uh, once in vacation Bible school. I said, why is Jesus white? Yeah. <laughs> you ain't going to kick the corner's nest. You can go ahead and say that. <laughs> he literally ain't white. <laughs> How is it possible that he is white with blonde hair? How is that possible? Weren't they over in a part of the world where everybody was? How is that possible? I remember. And I, it, it caused such a ruckus in the church. I mean, because I asked yeah. Vacation Bible School. Little kid, I think I was like, like 10. I was old enough now to have read things and see things. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> but, but imagine if you go into church, there you are, you're black, and Jesus. Jesus, great, there it is, Jesus. He's not like you. And wherever you look, he's not like you. Despite, not talking about the insanity. Insanity, wait a minute. Insanity would believe, so wait a minute, how is that possible? He was just a man walking the earth, but how was he able to? Why would he be white? It didn't make any sense. And this is how you shift things on people. You What you say to them, what you show them, positions them as not being as good as. I always said that in many ways, I used to watch the old Tarzan show when I was a little kid, right? The, the actual original with Johnny Weisenmuller, okay, way back when I was a kid. And how is it that a white man can go to Africa and he operates in the jungle better than the people who are, who are the natives? How is that possible? You know... <laughs> You know what? You can speak to the animals, but they can't speak to the animals. How is that possible? Yeah. You, but, that, yeah. but that was the whole thing that somehow white is superior. A fourth thing would be, you know, for many years, you know, young athletes were not allowed uh, to play quarterback, black athletes, mm -hmm. on football teams, yeah. because they were told, because you're black, you don't have, and nobody ever used these words. I was actually told it as a young middle schooler. I was told it with words that were a lot more heartbreaking than what I'm going to share with you. But the motion is, you know, Daryl, you can't play quarterback. Why, why can't I play quarterback? You, because you're an ex and you don't have the you know, capacity to play. Now think about it. Just process the – now fast forward to today, and you say that, people yeah, look at yeah. you like, what are you talking about? The fact that people believe that, they just why? Mm -hmm. Not based on the fact they were insane. That's what I'm saying. The colorism has brainwashed people. The brainwashed people has made people – insane because they believe things that make no sense here's the no, no sense yeah. okay a fifth thing you know the criminal justice system which sought to which which would punish black uh criminals or delinquents more harshly than white criminals or delinquents for the same offense and that's what i learned that when i my father was uh, running a, a juvenile home for black kids in florida and that's where i first saw that i said well, why is this person who who shoplifted a pack of gum why did he get six months and this other kid got uh, probation? And it was always, yeah. black ways, always a mistake. I mean, that's just what I saw. Uh, so that's, yeah. but, but yeah. what are you learning when they do that? When they punish you, you said, man, it's not good to be me. You're taught, it's not good mm -hmm. to be me. You're taught if you're white, that happens to you, you get off, I'm better than him. Why? Because mm -hmm. I get treated better than him. Uh, number six, TV and movies featuring the hero and the smart person as white. Mm -hmm. Always a hero, smart, you know, person's white. You know, in fact, in fact, it made a lot of us, when we used to see, used to be the Cosby show and other shows like that, it made us say, well, that's not us. Mm -hmm. Wait, what? Is anybody on TV us? What are you talking about? But it made us reject and push, push back at these things 
of people who were doing things that were exceptional. My, it, the, the colorism, the brainwashing, goes, it, the poison can go in everybody, irrespective of your color. Uh, number seven can be the, the products that society pushes at us that say the message that lighter skin is better than darker skin. I mean, yeah, people yeah. putting, you know, this happens, this is not just in the black community, this is in, this is Asia community. This is yeah. India, mm-hmm. Middle East, where people put on skin lighteners, to lighten their skin. Mm-hmm. You know, the truth is, where people were treated worse, you know, you were, uh, you know, back in slave times, uh, slave owners liked to have lighter skinned slaves working in the house. So mm-hmm. if you were dark, you were out in the field working, right? So think about all these yeah. things, all these things say dark, you don't want to be dark. And so they're going to, and that affected us. Laws, nothing, number eight would be laws prohibiting black people from learning to read, to write, to do things. But think, think about it. Here's the insanity. If you think these people are less than you, if they aren't smart enough to do it, why do you have a law prohibiting them from doing it? Like, for example, mm-hmm. I have a dog. If my dog wanted to read, I would let him read. Go ahead. Have at it. Here's a book. Read, please. Yeah. Right? If I, had a, if I, you know, so the dog can't read, but he, he looks at a book, go ahead. My point is, when they stop you from doing the thing, but that they say you can't do, who's crazy? Everyone's crazy. Mm-hmm. One, I'll say an example of that, too. I, now this is, again, Hornets and that's going to be kicked. Think of how insane you are as a person who's benefiting from colorism. If you believe these, these people who are dark are, are near animals, they're not as good as you, yet you let them suckle your babies. Mm. Are you familiar? You know what I'm talking about? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Time, yeah. quite often it was slaves who were suckling white babies. If you thought they were not as good, if you you wouldn't let them eat with you, how do you let them give milk to your child? I mean, my point is, when I say insanity, it has and it exists existed. I think the whole thing notion with Karen showing up on videos around the country is all they're just mm-hmm. those are just signs of the insanity. Complete yeah, yeah. criminals who are black being being vilified, while white criminals are often, you know, deified. If you think about it, I'm not going to mention any group. I'll just say this. You look at the movies on, you know, there were black criminals and they were the scum and bad boys, blah, blah, blah. And then there were other criminals of other ethnicities who were lighter skinned. We make, we have whole movie series about them and we glorify it and talk about like, oh, that's yeah. Thing. Okay. And then finally, I think this is finally the definition of beauty being white features. And mm-hmm. that's, that is, those are 10 ways, and a definition has been pushed on us all the time. It used to be I mean, every, every model, every the supermodels, every cover girl, all these over and over and over. My point is, the way you brainwash somebody is repetition. And if they let it in, the poison gets in. Before you know it, there's poison throughout their bodies, and the end is near. So those are 10 ways that we have been brainwashed, most of us. And and again, I, want to end, I would end all of those points with, and we accept it because you have to accept it. Yeah, you have to. Accept you have to accept it. it. Yeah. And once you do that, the point, and then you, and what that's going to, that's going to affect. You talk about these companies, why they're not hiring people. Think about it for a second. Imagine if you buy into my notion that we've been brainwashed, most of us. Mm. The poison is throughout. Then, then it makes sense how, why companies can can put somebody on the moon, can can put a product that's the size of your thumb in every store in the country in a week, can do that. But they can't find people there because the toxin, the color is it's so deep that it colors everything you see. There was a study by mm-hmm. Columbia, some Columbia sociologists did a study recently where they found that uh, that white 
managers rated black uh, folks who were working and white folks differently, even if they performed the same or even if black people performed superior. They, they rate yep, them yep. less capable. So think about the impact that has on your career. If you're being yep, yep. rated lower, you, in other words, you're being given lower grades because of what you look like constantly, mm-hmm. then it's, it's, it's a thing. All right. So y'all know I like to hit you with the facts, but I could not find that article um, that Daryl was referencing. But I did find a 2021 study published by Columbia by researchers Sheen Levine, Charlotte Rapins, and David Stark that discuss racial attention deficit. So what is racial attention deficit? So racial attention deficit consists of underestimating, overlooking, or ignoring members of certain groups. The knowledge, the skills, the know-how, you're just completely ignoring it, right? So this study that they did found patterns of racial attention deficit revealing that white Americans pay less attention to their black peers, even when it's in their own self-interest. So interesting. Uh, The multi-year experimental study gathered over 2,500 white working age American men and women specifically designed to evaluate their decision-making around fictional peers, whose input was necessary to solve the puzzle. By varying the race of these peers, the researchers could examine whether participants were more likely to dismiss information from one racial group. They found that the white participants are 33% more likely to pay attention to and learn from white peers compared to black ones. So Levine goes on to explain that while respondents assess their black peers as equals, once and only after they were presented with their credentials, their awards, their academic degrees, their reactions still indicated that the behavior gap remained as they were still less likely to follow what their black peers suggested. Now, I didn't go into the nitty gritty of this study. I will leave that link in the show notes for you to examine yourself to look at that more specifically. But uh, I've experienced this firsthand. So um, all of this is not surprising to me. So that's what I'm for. My point about this colorism, it all starts with that and it evolves. And again, there's colorism throughout virtually every group. And the, the, the span, it, but it always devolves to you get treated better if you're lighter than if you're darker. That's it. Yeah. No, yeah, and that's a that's such an interesting study. I'm 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 uh, I'm a, I'll plug this at, plug that as a resource. I'm gonna look look that up uh, because uh, I did my um, grad school research on um, leadership member exchange, mm-hmm. and so basically that's just leader member or leaders or manager subordinate um, relationships. Like that theory is all about relationships. Mm-hmm. So it's essentially it it suggests that like if you are closer closely connected with your manager or leader or whoever you will have greater opportunity. It's been shown there's a correlation between greater opportunity, greater access, um, uh, job promotion, job fulfillment, happiness. They're they're all interconnected. And so what I did, because I didn't see any research on it, was I said, like, what if we inserted race into that conversation? What if we inserted gender into that conversation and examined it? I already knew what was going to happen because other studies have shown, like, people, when you when you're in the same economic class or when you're in the same like uh like skin tone or or anything you're you're naturally drawn to people and going back into your color colorism what you brought up about colorism racism all that stuff and like you're naturally drawn to those people and you're going to treat them better because you assume there's a bias there's an assumption that like they're you they're like you right and so i examined that and found um uh those who identified as women were treated less than um, or had the perception of like sex sexism mm-hmm. um, in in their environments based off of that, mm-hmm. right? Um, I should have framed my my inquiry a little bit differently when I was like reaching out to folks. Otherwise, I, I'm sure that my um, hypothesis around race would have mm-hmm. been 
affirmed. I want to be completely honest about that <laughs> um, as an org psychologist. But the, the fact still remains of like that tying that in with that uh, Colombian study. Mm -hmm. It's still true yeah. of like this perception um, just based off of race um, and, and closeness and, and tiredness as far as like even viewing that through an, uh, a leadership member exchange theory. Uh, it's just, it's really, really wild. So I'll, I'll plug that. Um, I'll also plug my own research because, you know, um, I want to get that out there. But anyways, no, that's that. No, that that is incredible. Thank you so much for outlining um, all of those. I feel like, you know, if we are being honest, if we are being true to ourselves and the experiences that all of us have had, mm -hmm. regardless of where you land on that spectrum of race, we have either benefited, we have um, either benefited, um, perpetuated, um, bought into um, and try to rebuff against uh, these ideas of colorism and, and how, you know, they exist and permeate our lives, right? Um, I'm curious for you. I mean, we've talked about, not me and you, but like in past on other episodes, we've talked about how we can go against the grain or, or, mm -hmm. or, or speak out against these things mm -hmm. or, or even do this in our everyday lives. But I'm curious for you, what would you say um, for us, how we can unbrainwash, unbrainwash ourselves, um, from colorism. Sure, I think I think great. Now that that is the question because that's what is the fix to the problem, right? That's basically where you're going. Mm -hmm. But I think yeah, first yeah. of all, we have to be honest. Listen, you have to be again delusional to rebut my notion of what colorism has done because it's, mm -hmm. it's all around us. It's been going on so long. You have to be delusional to believe that people haven't been brainwashed because that's the, that's how we do it. Repetition over and over and over, and you don't allow them to have anything else, and you do, you create this environment which says, "Oh, see, colorism is a fraud. Colorism is false. It has never been true, but it's created to support false thoughts and so and notions." And so you say, "Well, they're not equal. Well, how do you know? Well, they don't get into our college. Well, have you done outreach to them? No. But then, how do you know? Well, because because mm -hmm. it just is, right? So now, how do we do it? First of all, let's be honest about it because Without honesty, you can't address the real issue. With honesty, you can address, okay, here are the ways in which the brainwashing has happened for hundreds of years and continues to happen or is now happening. Once you acknowledge it, you can, like, for example, if, if a roach ran across the floor in my office, denying it doesn't make the roach go away. Pretending, mm -hmm. pretending the roach is a rabbit doesn't make the roach a rabbit. I have to say, oh, there's a roach. Now, what am I going to do? about the roach. Being mm -hmm. truth about it allows them to say, oh, let me go get roach killer. Okay? You know, I wouldn't get, you know, rabbit food. That would just feed the roach. I get roach killer. So I think being honest is what we have to do. And we have to be fearless in saying this stuff. Like, I'm saying it. And I, I could wish anybody to contest what I'm saying to me on, on film or anything else because it is so true, it's crazy, but it has made us insane. And I say us mm -hmm. as a group. So the way you move away from your insanity is to accept what reality is. Remember, insanity is the inability to to d distinguish uh, falseness from reality, right? You've got to be able to say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is what's going on. Like this, you know, even as as even as black people going back in time were doctors and lawyers and doing all this amazing and discoverers, we preferred we kept we want to down put that down. Let's because that goes against our worldview. Wait a minute, that can't be true. He must be different. He's different. She's no, 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 no. The bottom line is. We've got to be truthful and honesty, and we've got to not let fear cause us to act. Fear of change is why most people don't change, is why they don't do stuff. Fear is the thing. Well, what if I believe this all my life? Like, you imagine somebody saying, I believe this all my life. Now what? 
change. It's okay. Yep. Change. And so that's yep. what I think. And if we do that, like now you see on TV, there are many, many, it's almost to the point of, of I don't know if it's overkill. There, there's many, many, many more people of color on TV ads today than there were two, three years ago. Right now, it's just crazy. Now, right. you, you can't watch an ad without some massive diversity showing up every time you watch yeah. right? right? Stuff, yep. stuff that most of us have never yep. seen before shows up, right? But that's the point. Yep. My point is, that's an example of taking action because you could point and say, I think everybody in ads is white. Now, you may say, well, what's the big deal? I, I don't want to be a, 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 an actor in ads. Yeah, but other people do, but they don't get those opportunities. Mm-hmm. They don't get the chance to be yep. They can't. They can't make the money feed their family based on being, you know, what used to be Mr. Whipple or all, or the, the, the Geico ad voice or whatever these guys are. These are things that that lead families to grow. And when you deny it to mm-hmm. a people, you're denying their ability to grow. And that's that, 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 the criminal justice system is impacted by how we see it. Be truthful, call it what it is, and then develop an answer. Like we try to do with catapult leaders. Okay, you say you can't find this group. Yes, that's what we say. And I mean, all companies are telling them, you can't find them, but you're looking for them. Yeah. No, we can't find them. Okay, so if we found them, you're good. Yes, if you could find them. Fantastic, we'll find them. And so we gave them yeah. a solution to a problem they had to admit to. We, I didn't bother getting into, why can't you find them? I didn't, you know, that's all. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to say, okay, you can't find them? Okay, we'll find them. And, and that's what we spend every single day doing, trying to find talent for great companies. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And that's really that. I mean, that that's what it's all about. We have to find ways to get off of that um, hamster wheel, right? Because if we stay on the hamster wheel of this, um, the insanity that is colorism, racism, um, uh, quote unquote, white supremacy, I put put it in quotes, because white people are not superior based off right. of race. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think, I think we we do start to recognize and see the world around us as bigger as grander um we see other people as valuable we see other people as worthy and and honestly sometimes <laughs> more capable than us so like let's move out of the way and give other people more opportunities right um thank you so much i have one more question that i want to land um on with you and I'm really curious. We spent a ton of time at the beginning about those like to do's and must do's. And you said you've done a ton of stuff on your your must do list. But I'm curious about what is still on your must do list that you're that you're that you plan on doing. Um, let's just say this year. Fantastic question. And remember, remember <laughs> that I keep adding to my list. So one of the things I want to mm-hmm. do this year, and it's actually at the top of my list, I want to make a point of encouraging and sustaining and pushing and tweaking and, and you know, tw- everything, my wife, every single day. Every single day, I want to say, whatever it is, you can do it. Whatever you're about, I'm with you. Wherever you're going, I stand behind you at your side. I'm ready to go with you. I want to do that every single day. And that requires a constancy. Of thing. And again, mm-hmm. I don't want to miss a day, right? So that means that I, have, yep. I actually have it written down in my to-do list. If you, my whole thing is, if you don't have it on your to-do list, uh, you, it's not a must-do. I, yeah. I need to see a to-do list. So that's one of the one of the major things that I'm focused on this year. To, I want to see if I can take it up enough. Can I take it up even more? Mm-hmm. Can I do more and more and more to the point where she says, just too much. You're just too much. If I get to that, <laughs> if, I, if I do that, then I'm doing okay. That, 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 that's that's, that's one of my goals. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and, and me, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, you know, I'm thinking if I had to do if Well, my, I know... I think my wife would get a kick out of that for like the first couple months. And then she'd be like, all right, 
this is what you need to stop. Because <laughs> sometimes I'd be doing too much. I love that. Goal. I love that goal. Don't stop. Don't stop. Yeah. This, this is the thing. Yeah. Because remember, you're driving to a higher place. You're taking the mm-hmm. relationship mm-hmm. to a higher place. Don't stop. Even yeah. if she asks you to stop, if something positive, yeah. don't stop. Now, she tells you to stop drinking. Oh, yeah. With something positive, that's hilarious. Right. Yep, you're right. You know, <laughs> if, it's, if she says you stop drinking, stop smoking, stop overeating, that's a different discussion. If she says stop sitting mm-hmm. on the couch, go out next to that's different. But if you, she says stop loving me every day. Stop telling me you love me every day. Stop showing me you love me every day. Stop encouraging mm-hmm. me to be who I can be. Stop telling me that you believe in me 100%. I ain't stopping that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. That hey, that's a good word. That's a great place to stop. But uh, before before I let you go, um, and thank first of all, thank you so much for your time, um, your knowledge, your wisdom, uh, just giving yourself and 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 being so authentic and, and vulnerable with us. Like I always appreciate and honor um, folks' time, um, everything that they bring. I mean, every there was things you shared today that really um, reshaped how. I'm going going to go about my goals, you know, um, and I and I know that you did the same. Uh, some of the things that you shared today did the same for uh, for the real fam. So I, I am so appreciative um, of everything you gave today. Um, but I would love uh, for you to share um, if folks want to get in contact with you, if there are some incredible candidates uh, that want to get under your roster and reach out to you, or even if there are folks that want to work with you as like an a, um, a life or executive coach, um, where can folks find you? I'll be sure to put those in the show notes, but I want to make sure that you are able to plug anything and everything um, that you have going Excellent. on. You know, if you Googled me, you go to websites that we're currently tweaking. Here's the best thing to do. You go to LinkedIn and you find me, Daryl Mobley, middle initial L, if that's out, that matters and who you find, and or Catapult mm-hmm. Leaders. And then you can send me a message, send me an email telling me if you're a company, you're looking to hire great people, then just tell me that. If you're a person, say, you know what, I've got talent, I, I, I can do more. I want to work with your people. Can we do that? If you want coaching, fantastic. Uh, most people find me now through coaching through that for either life or executive coaching or both, those sorts of things. I currently coach people. I coach people who are professional athletes. I coach people who are school teachers. I coach people, husbands and wives, business people, uh, professional coaches. I've even coached a few heads of state in foreign countries. So uh, I've run the gamut. All you have to do is reach out to me on LinkedIn. You do that. And uh, you'll get me. You'll find it. You'll find us. And we, our goal is that we make your lives better. That, that's our goal of everything we do. All, we, all my companies, we're going to make your lives better. We get you what you want. One, one time my kids asked me, hey, Dad, why do you do coaching? What, what, what do you do? I said, well, I said, uh, I explained what I did. And I said, I think it's the greatest job in the world. They said, why? They said, why, Dad? I said, because all I spend my time doing is helping people achieve their goals. I said, can you imagine how great that would be? He said, well, that's pretty good. Little kids, well, that's pretty good, Dad. When we were young, I said, yeah, that's the idea. So, so I enjoy doing it, but I, I like to challenge people. I approach it fearlessly. I believe in the people I coach, and my goal is that they win. Because when they win, then I achieve my goal. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much um, uh, for being with us, sharing with us. I am so excited. Um, for whatever you have in store in that must to do list, I'm gonna check back in with you in a few months and see how that 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 top must do uh, is going. Um, but yeah, I will uh, I will be with you. Thank you so much for for being with us again. I really appreciate. Thank it. Thank you so much, Jonathan. This has been fantastic. I love what you do. I love the real fam. I hope that I get to reach out to them again. But listen, everybody, remember this: my number one thing I ask you to do, please enjoy life. It is the most valuable thing we have. Absolutely. 
All right, y'all. This podcast was produced by myself, Jonathan Dumas. Additional production help by the incomparable Lindsay Dumas with music by the oh-so-talented Mr. Tony Deras. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. It really helps folks discover the show. Till next time, y'all. Peace.